That's the, the topic of this morning is that we can build each other up, that we can encourage each other. I just hope that we can do that with a little bit more sensitivity than, uh, than Julie tried to do here. Um, but that is what, we're, what we will be talking about this morning. We'll continue in our series, Rubbing Shoulders with Each Other, looking at Colossians 3, looking at how having Jesus in our lives affects the way we relate to each other. And today we're going to look at how, how we can encourage each other, how we can build each other up. Actually, a better way maybe even to say that is, how can we help each other grow? And that's what we're going to look at in Colossians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 today, is how we can help each other grow. And you know what? It's not just um, that we can help each other grow. We need to help each other grow. We need each other to grow in our life, in our walk with Jesus. And encouragement is a big part of that, isn't it? Anybody here feel encouragement is important? I do. Encouragement is one of my major love languages, that I receive love is by words of encouragement. And uh, I hope that you guys receive encouragement. Anybody been, been encouraged by somebody this week? Wow, that's, that's not even half. See, that's why we talk about it here this morning how we can encourage each other. I've been encouraged this week. Actually, two, two stand out to me this week that I can think of. I got an email this week by Dave Nelson. He doesn't know I'm going to say this. I'm not going to read the email. But it came out of the blue. There was no specific reason for it. He just sent me an email telling me that he appreciated me, that he appreciated my input and my leadership here, and that he loved me. It was one of those emails from your boss that you save, you know, and I will. I, I saved it and I know I'll go back to it because there'll be times when I doubt that. Another encouragement I got this week was a, a card from my wife. She came home late one night after I had gone to bed already. And uh, when I got up in the morning, I went to the kitchen, grabbed my phone and there was a, an envelope stuck to my phone. And there was a card in there, just her expressing her love for me and her appreciation for me as a husband and a father. And it encouraged me greatly. And so I hope that, that you guys receive that kind of encouragement because we need that, don't we? But on the flip side, I want to ask you, have you provided that kind of encouragement for anybody this week? I don't need a show of hands, but just ask yourself, have you? Well, we will have a look at Colossians three, sixteen to 17 together. And we want to look at how Jesus wants to affect our relationships, how through Jesus we can encourage each other. And you know, the word encourage, what does it literally mean? If you think about it, it means to encourage, to give courage to somebody. How can we do that? What does Colossians have to say about that? Why don't we put that up on the screen? Colossians 3, verses 16 to 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray before we dive into that. Let me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. For this morning, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here this morning. And Father, I want to thank you for your word. It just never ceases to amaze me that this book, written thousands of years ago, was actually also written with us in mind. 
and that it speaks into our situations and into our lives today. And Lord, that's only because it's, it's your living word, it's truth. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through your word to our hearts this morning. And uh, that, you would, that your word would encourage us deeply this morning. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to focus in this passage on three ways that we can build each other up. Three ways that we can help each other grow. And the first one is, I think, pretty obvious if we look at this verse 16. Paul calls the people in this church to teach and admonish each other. And before some of you check out at this point and say, well, teaching, that's not who I am. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a leader. This letter is not written to pastors or just leaders in this church. It's written to the congregation as a whole. And he's calling everybody in this church to teach and admonish each other. And to us, teaching is often associated with this upfront position, maybe what I'm doing right now, or, or what you know, our crash course, or our teachers at K2U, what people do upfront, maybe your small group leader. But again, that is not the context of what Paul is writing about here. He's telling us that we are all called and told to help each other grow by teaching each other and by admonishing, by correcting each other. That's what admonishing means, is, is to confront and, and to correct and we're all called to do that to each other. And so I, I want to rephrase this a little bit, maybe in a way that we can grasp this a little better. Instead of saying teaching and admonishing each other, I want to call this speaking truth into each other's lives. Speaking truth to each other. Because if you think about it, isn't that what teaching is supposed to be? Teaching is supposed to be truth communicated from one person to another. Now, a lot of untruths are taught, but that's not really the essence of teaching. Teaching is supposed to be truth being communicated from one person to one other person or other people. And, and correcting, what is correcting? Correcting in its very nature, admonishing is addressing something that's not right and replacing it with truth. Right? So maybe we can wrap our minds around that a little better, that we're supposed to speak truth to each other. That's really what, what Paul is talking about here. And by the way, truth in the context of encouragement is pretty important, isn't it? We, we saw encouragement here up front with not so much truth in it, right? Because if that's true, what she just said, then you don't have to preach to be a preacher. I'm done here. Hmm? Well, anyway. But there was a lot of encouragement without real consideration of truth. You know why we see that a lot? In the auditions to American Idol. Right? How often do you have somebody come up there, sing their hearts out, not on tune, just, just horrible, and they're convinced they're great teachers, singers. Why? Because mostly mom told them so all their lives. Right? And Simon says, who told you you can sing? With a British accent that I can't do. I can't even do an American accent for that matter. But, <laughs> um, he said, who told you to sing? Who, who told you you're a good singer? Oh, my mom. All my life. She lied. <laughs> See, that's encouragement without truth isn't really encouragement, right? Truth is really, really important in our encouraging of each other, in our building each other up. And speaking truth to each other is not just a major value. Well, it is a major value all through Scripture. And that's why it is a major value for us here at K2. It's actually one of the things we ask our members to commit to. When, when they've gone through the crash course, our membership course, and we have our, our, our huddle when we all get together as members and we bring in the new members and we go through a pledge of connection 
where we ask the new members to commit to certain things, to pledge certain things. And one of them is that we commit to speaking truth to each other. It's a major value here at K2 because it is a major value in the Bible. The problem I think that we have with speaking truth today is that in our generation, my generation has grown up with the concept that truth is a very fluid thing, haven't we? Well, I mean, what is true today? I can't tell you how many conversations I've had, especially about religious issues, um, about spiritual issues, where people say, well, that's great, that's true for you. That's not true for me. But it's great that that's true for you, it's just not true for me. And we, we, my generation has learned to, to do that with almost anything. The problem with that is that two conflicting truths can't both be true, can they now? It's just, not, it's just not possible. But somehow my generation has grown up with the concept that that somehow works. Yet the Bible tells us very clearly that there is ultimate truth. And Jesus defined it when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus had, has said very clearly that he is the definition of truth. And so if we want to speak truth to each other, if we want to teach each other, we have to know him to do that effectively in the context of our community with each other. And that takes us back to the beginning of this passage in in chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 16 says out, saying, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish. So he's saying, if you want to effectively teach each other and admonish, correct each other, if you want to effectively speak truth into each other's lives, that can only happen if you know Jesus. It can only happen if you allow his word to dwell in you richly. And that brings us back to last week's message. Because how do we allow God's word to dwell in us richly? It's by engaging in it. It's by, by um, exposing ourselves to it. It's by sinking into it, soaking it up and marinating, it in, marinating in it. Remember that from last week? The word dwell literally means to be influenced for good by something. That means what he's saying is if you dwell on the word of Christ, if you dwell on God's word, if you dive in, if you allow God's word to penetrate your life, you soak it in, you marinate in it until it influences you for good. That's what he's talking about here. That's what we need to do if we want to effectively build each other up, help each other grow and speak truth into our lives. It reminds me of a verse in Romans 12 verse 2 where we're called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And how is our mind renewed? By putting something new in, right? By soaking in the truth of God's word. He will renew our mind to the point where we're influenced by it for good. Where it will from then on direct our actions and lead us in the way that we interact with the people God has placed in our lives. You know, and one One practice that the Bible talks about quite a bit in terms of engaging in God's word is meditating, meditating on God's word. And and I think, again, that our generation has, has learned to live a life 
that is so incredibly stressful and fast-paced and scheduled to the T and over <clears throat> and double-scheduled. If you've tried to make an appointment with me recently, you know that. <laughs> that taking the time to slow down our lives and actually rest and meditate on God's word almost seems impossible, doesn't it? Last year, I took one of my, my study breaks that I get as a pastor here to, to really focus on God's word and be refreshed and, and energized for ministry again and, and receive from Jesus so I can give. And, and Dave had often encouraged me to you know, take some time away, with, away from everything where you can't be reached, where there, there is no cell phone coverage. That's when I started shaking. Um, where you know, no computers and, and just spend time with Jesus and his word. So I did it. Went up to a cabin and just me, the Bible. I, I had my computer so I could take notes, but no coverage of any kind. And I just want to tell you, this is confession time. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. I, I went crazy. I actually at one point packed up and drove 40 minutes to Park City to sit in the Starbucks just to be around people. It was really embarrassing, in fact. And uh, when I came back and Dave and I debriefed me, talked about it, and I realized this is a problem. This really is a problem because God tells us over and over, rest in me. You know, uh, be still and know that I am God and, and meditate on my word. And, and I realized my life had spun so out of control and I had allowed all these different things to take a bite. And, and, and I, I had unlearned to rest in God. And I'm taking baby steps to, to learn that again. And I think it's something we all have to learn to calm down, to slow down our lives, to take his word and just read and sit with it. You know, you guys don't have to have Dave Nelson and me and Lad Chapman to explain God's word to you. Now, yeah, that can be helpful, but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into all truth. And if we take the time to sit with his word, and meditate on it, marinate in it, soak it in and say, God, I love you. I'm following you. You've given me your Holy Spirit. Explain this to me. Teach me truth. He will do that because he's promised that in his word. But we have to expose ourselves to it. We have to soak in his word. And what I'm reading out of this is if we do that, if we soak in his word, if we dwell on it, let it influence us for good, it will naturally flow out of our lives that it will benefit those around us. There's another verse that, that Dave often encourages us with, and that's Hebrews 6, 7. It says, The land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed. We're the land in this metaphor. We're the land and we're taking in the rain of God's word. And we soak in it. It soaks into us. And if we allow that to happen, there will inevitably be a crop of fruit that grows out of that that will benefit the people that God has placed in our lives. They get to harvest our soaking in of God's word. And that's supposed to happen in all of our lives. That's not just supposed to happen in the guys that stand up here and preach. All of you are called to soak in God's word, to dwell on it, so that you can produce a fruit that will bless and benefit those that God has placed in your life, so that you can be an agent to help grow them in their walk with Jesus. So this can only happen in the context of our relationship with Jesus and our soaking in his word. 
But speaking truth to each other and correcting each other can also only happen in the context of our relationships with each other. In relationship to Jesus and in relationship one with another. And to have relationship with each other, we have to know each other. We have to know each other. We have to be in community and we have to be in the kind of community where we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, where we allow ourselves to open up and where we allow others to open up to us, where we give others permission to enter our lives, permission to speak truth into our lives, permission to correct where they see that necessary. And I just want to ask you, do you, do you have those kind of relationships in this community with other followers of Jesus? Do you have that kind of community where you know somebody who has the freedom to speak truth into your life? Do you have somebody where you know you have the freedom to speak truth into their life? Can you think of somebody in this community who has been an agent that God has used to grow you, to encourage you? And have you been that agent to somebody else in this community? Just this week I had lunch with a good friend. And he, he's been here sporadically recently because of work reasons and, and other things. And he said, man, I haven't been in relationships recently. And it shows in my life. He said, I'm making bad decisions and, and my, I just, my, my walk with Jesus is lacking. And he knew he could, it's because I haven't been walking closely with other followers of Jesus who could speak in my life and encourage and challenge me. It affects us. Guys, we need each other. The beauty about that is there, that there is no hierarchy in that. It isn't like, oh, this other person is up here, you're down here, and they have the freedom to speak truth down there and to correct you down there because they're up here. No, this happens on eye level. It doesn't mean you have to have it all together to speak truth into my life. It's, it's an equal brother, sister, encouraging and, and, and speaking truth, correcting each other out of a love and care for each other. Spe this, this speaking truth and correcting each other can only happen in the context of relationship and it can only happen in the context of loving relationship. Because speaking truth without love is nothing but legalism. S truth and correction has to happen in the context of a relationship of trust and a relationship of love where that truth and that correction is done out of a, a care for that person. And that takes time to develop. But again, it is a natural result, a natural outflow out of our relationship with Jesus, our time in his word, our receiving his truth, his correction, his love. And out of the overflow of receiving that, we can, we can hand it and give it to each other. As I close this, this first point, I want to I read um, Colossians 3.16 again, but I'm going to read it from the message, which is a kind of a transliteration, a, a current language transliteration of the Bible that we've quoted before. Um, Eugene Peterson wrote this, and this is how he translated Colossians 3, verse 16. I, I love how he, how he says this. He says, let the word of God, the message, have the run of the house. Let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another. I love that. 
See, that's what it really means to, to, to dwell on God's word, dwell on the word of Christ to where it influences you for good, where it influences to the point where it has the run of your house. It, it directs and controls your words and your actions. And I'm telling you, if Jesus directs your words and your actions, you will speak truth and correct in love, and you will be an agent of growing the people that God has placed in your life. The second way that we can build each other up that Paul talks to this church here about, we read in verse 16b. Can we put that back up, please? Verse 16. And no, that's the message. Just the regular NIV version, please. Where he calls us to sing psalms as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. The second way that he tells us to encourage each other is by worshiping together. So this is what I want you to do. Next time you run into each other at the fresh market, you whip out your hymnal and you break out into a spontaneous singing session, okay? Do, do you guys even know what hymnals are still? No, oh, this was lost on you, wasn't it? See, I grew up in a church where we had hymnals. They were actually called spiritual songs. Yes, and we sang them in four-way harmonies without instruments. It was quite the show. But uh, no, that, this, what he's talking about is, is the context of, of a church having corporate worship together. And so he, he encourages them, guys, sing together. Worship God together. But before we go there, I want to I talk a little bit of what worship really is. Because oftentimes we equate worship only with coming here, whipping out some slides, and singing songs together. And that's, re- that's one aspect of worship. But, but it's not all of worship. Now, we, we experience worship all the time, don't we? Outside of this setting. And I'm not just talking spiritually, actually. Just this morning, I was reading a... Um, uh, 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 report on South Carolina's football game yesterday. Okay, the Gamecocks won. They beat Georgia handily. I want to say that real quick. That encourages me greatly. But they were talking about this freshman running back that we have, Marcus Letterman, and they talked about how all of South Carolina is worshiping Marcus Letterman this morning. And it broke my heart as much as I like the Gamecocks. That is the worship that we observe all the time. Because you know what worship is? Worship is lifting somebody, some object of our worship, above ourselves. And and idolizing, praising, worshiping that, and having great expectations of that. And that's what's happening in sports constantly, isn't it? That's real worship. And I'll tell you, if we were to show the same enthusiasm in worshiping God that we do in athletics, and I'm speaking to myself here too, man, what kind of worship would we experience? And what kind of worship would God receive from us? Can you imagine that? But there's, all, there's worship outside of sport. There's worship in the world of arts, music, and, 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 and the fine arts where we worship things. Now this is the, is the definition of spiritual worship. Worship is the humble response by men and women to the self-disclosure of God. Worship is our humble response to God revealing himself to us. All right? It it is based on the work of God and it is directed towards God. It, It is expressed with our lips in praise and with our lives in service. All right? That our worship is Whatever context that is in, whether it is in in music or just your daily life, our worship is our response 
to God having revealed himself to us, to our understanding of who he is. And I think worship, individual worship, I want to talk about a little bit, just your individual worship of God can look very, very different from someone else's. I am convinced that God wants to connect with you through the passions and gifts that he's created you with. Sometimes we we create these categories, and this is how we worship. We worship on Sunday after the message. We sing three songs, sometimes four. That's worship. Now, I know that for some of you, that's not the best way for you to connect with God and worship. I know that. That's not how everyone is made, right? Even within music, we have different styles that we like. I want to tell you, the most intimate times of worship that I've experienced in the last couple of years have not been here singing songs. The most intimate times of worship that I've experienced with God, where I've responded to his revelation of himself to me, was on my bike, riding in the mountains. And actually, the most intense time that I've had recently, and some of you might know that four friends of mine and I went on a, on a uh, relay race to Vegas, from Salt Lake to Vegas last month. And so we, we started Friday morning, we arrived Saturday afternoon in Vegas, and we just kept taking turns. And my second turn was in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning. I had to go 40 miles into St. George. And I was a little worried about that. But I tell you, when I got on that bike, I had an iPod and I I was listening to worship music at the time. It was just me in the middle of the night. It was dark, but the moon was shining. So I could could see some of God's creation and, and just me on the road, on the bike, pumping away, listening to music. And I... I had the most intense time of worship, of responding to God, doing something that he created me to love doing. And I just connected with him and, and, and worshiped him and praised him and, and heard back from him. And I had community with God on that bike. And so I just want to ask you and encourage you, what has God given you a passion for? What do you love doing? What do you do when you feel most alive? And I guarantee you, God wants to connect with you in that. Find that. Don't let others put you in a box of how you should worship God. Find how God has created you and meet him in that and worship him. Respond to him in that. That can be, can be music. I think for a lot of us, music is very powerful in that, in, in connecting with God. And it is to me too. To others, it isn't. For some of us, it's just being in nature, connecting with God there. It can be arts. It can be a beautiful piece of art, a picture or a sculpture, or you engaging in that painting or sculpturing. I mean, there's so many ways. Maybe for you, it's also athletics. But find what it is and connect with with God and worship him in that. But then we come to, to corporate worship and the encouragement that that can be to us. And that's the context that, that Paul is mainly addressing here. The, the context of us coming together and corporately responding humbly to who God is, to who he has revealed himself to be to us. There is incredible power in that too. And I have experienced tremendous power in here and just energy in us worshiping together. And I will tell you, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the last couple of months, I have noticed a, a clear shift in our corporate worship here it just seems like we're all engaging more together and i don't know what it is if the music isn't as loud as it used to be but i love hearing all of you i'm usually up front here just behind me singing 
praises to God. And there's something powerful in all of us agreeing to do that together and agreeing in the truths that we're proclaiming about God together. There's something really powerful in that and something encouraging in that. Colossians 3.16 in the message translates this verse really interesting. It's very short. This is how Peterson translated the singing psalms and hymns. He says, sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Hey, see what he's saying is just leave it all there. Just give it your everything in worship. Sing your hearts out to God. And I tell you, that's what I did on that ride. I get, when I, you know, we had a vehicle that, that kept leapfrogging us and giving us water, and they were just shaking their head at me when they would pass me, and I was just on this bike just singing. I was singing my heart out to God, and it, it was an incredible time of meeting with God. And we'll do that later this morning. So we speak truth to each other to build each other up and to grow each other. We, we worship together to grow in our experience of, of community and in our worship of God. And then thirdly, let's read Colossians 3.17, the second verse again. If you can put that up, please. I forgot to bring my NIV Bible, so I need it up here. All right, Colossians, no, that's, that's the message. I need the NIV, I'm sorry. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think the third way that we can help each other grow is, I'm going to rephrase this again a little bit, is by serving each other. It's by serving each other. You might think, well, how do you get serving each other out of that? Well, here's where I'll get it. If we really do everything, and I love how whatever is in there. Whatever you do, I'll say, whatever. <laughs> whatever you do, do it all as you would do it to Jesus. See, if we really do that, if, if Jesus is the focus of everything we do, if he's the driving force, if, if he's the motivation of everything we think, say, do, whatever, then I guarantee you that we'll establish itself in serving each other and putting other people first. You know how I know that? Because that's what Jesus did. That's who he was when he was on earth. And if he's our focus and, and our motivation, then there's no way that our life will not result in serving and blessing those around us and building them up in the process. Because if he's our focus... If he's our focus in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, and whatever we do will be focused on other people. It will not be focused on us. And then it will result in blessing and serving others. Peterson, again, trans he, he wrote it like this in today's English, Colossians 3.17 in the message. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus. Let every detail in your life, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus. Don't have a lot of time to, to develop that, but I know there's probably some of you thinking here, well, you know, what, what I do on a daily basis isn't really of any use to anybody. And I just want to encourage you to rethink that and think about whatever you do, whatever place God has you right now, and think of it, okay, how can I do this 
unto Jesus. And I guarantee you, you can think of how you are serving others in whatever you're doing. And it will shift your focus away from, from yourself and onto Jesus and how he wants to use wherever he has you right now. So we can build and we need to build each other up. We need to help each other grow by... No, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> by, uh, by teaching and admonishing each other, by speaking truth, by worshiping together and by serving each other. But there is another fourth thread in this passage that we haven't touched on at all yet. And I want to read those two verses again real quick and see if you guys can pick it up. And this, this thread, I think, is the key to all of this. Can we put 16 and 17 back up, please? And, and pay attention. What is in there? that we haven't touched on yet. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is it that we haven't touched on in here that's emphasized actually? Gratitude and giving thanks thankfulness is mentioned a couple and actually the very last phrase of the of the uh, verse verse before verse 15 right in the very end paul also says oh and be thankful and then he goes into verse 16 where he says gratitude in your heart and here giving thanks to god the father thankfulness is an unbelievably important theme all through the new testament i i could go i looked through all occurrences of thanking or gratitude and thankfulness in the new testament and there is literally hundreds hundreds i could quote verse after verse if we were just to look at paul's writings and his calling the churches to be thankful thankful be be full of gratefulness and Always in spite of circumstances, which is really, really interesting. It's a very important topic. A call to be thankful regardless of circumstances. And you know, there's, there's three ways, or the, three, the three ways that we've talked about have one thing in common that I think ties in here. The speaking truth to each other, the, the worshiping together and the serving each other, all three of them are other focused, aren't they? I speak truth to you because I care for you. I worship with you because I want community with you and I want to respond to God together with you. I serve you because, because there is a need. I want, to, I want to bless you. See, the issue with unthankfulness is that unthankfulness is always at its very nature self-centered, isn't it? When we're unthankful, it's always because we're centered on our own on our own lack or, or, or an unfairness that we perceive we have experienced. Unselfishness is always self-centered. And that's why the, the key to these three is, is a thankful heart. Have you ever experienced an unthankful person being aware enough of your circumstances to speak truth into your life? I guarantee you, you haven't because unthankful people are focused on their own heart. Have you ever tried to truly worship God with an unthankful heart? It can't really happen. Have you ever tried to serve someone else from a place of unthankfulness? Not very effective, is it? See, thankfulness to God is the key in this. These ways to help each other grow can only come from a place of thankfulness to God. And again, in spite of circumstances. Paul constantly says I've, that we need to be thankful regardless of the, the situation we find ourselves in. 
Because no matter even where you are right now, and you might be at a tough spot, and I know many of you are, but if you are a follower of Jesus, we always, always have God's love expressed through his son who gave his life for you, who offered forgiveness, redemption, and reconciliation with God and new life to be thankful for, regardless of what immediate circumstances you find yourselves in. And it's that thankfulness, having received God's forgiveness and his love and new life, that is the source for speaking truth to each other, for worshiping together and for serving each other. I want to ask the band to come up at this point and just want to encourage you. As God wants to use you, he wants to use you to help shape me into the man that God wants me to become. He wants to use me to help shape you into the person that God wants you to grow into. And he's placed people in your life whether that's in your family, in your immediate family, in your community here at K2, in your Life Together group that I hope you're all in. He's placed people around you who need you to help grow them into the person that God has created them to become. And he wants you to be an agent to do that. If you're a follower of Jesus here today and you don't have somebody in your life that you're intentionally building into to help them grow, then that is not acceptable. Because we're all called to do that. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't have another follower of Jesus speak truth into your life, worship with you, serve you, then that is unacceptable. But the responsibility lies with us to find those people that God has placed that he wants us to build into. Would you commit to that with me? Again, you have to be in community to be able to do that. So your first step might be, I have got to get in community so that I can give this to others, that I can be an agent of growth to others, but also then that you can receive that from others. And if you're putting yourself into a position to receive from Jesus, to dwell on his word, to soak it in, then I guarantee you it will naturally flow out of you that you will build each other up, that you will help others grow. And we can and we need to do that. We need to build each other up. You know, one thing from this message that we can apply right now and here is the worshiping together, can't we? And I just want to remind you, worship is our response to God. God Almighty, the sovereign God who's created the universe has revealed himself to you and me. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a new life. And this, what we're going to do now is, is our worship together, our response to that. We're saying, God, you are great. And let's, let's stand together. And let's, I want to close with what Peterson said about worship in this passage. Let's sing. Let's sing our hearts out for God. Would we? Let's worship him.